Welcome to the USL show. It's brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and it's sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Um, thanks so much for tuning in today. It's a special episode of You Play We Don't, where I'm going to be talking to Coach Michael Munoz of um, Los, Ga- Los Angeles Galaxy 2. Um, really enjoyed this conversation. He's so laid back and very forthcoming with information. So um, I don't really have much to say about it, except, um, you know, we talk a lot about. Uh, all the players that are under him that have been really thriving for the youth national teams for our country and and Mexico and um, where they're headed next and and why and how and, and what it's like to coach in, in the location that he is. And, and we talk a little bit about the national teams and how they should go about things. So it's a really great episode. Again, it was fun talking to Mike about all of those things. And uh, I hope you enjoy. Here it is. All right, I have uh, Coach Michael Munoz on on the line here, and uh, he was nice enough to join me to talk about all things Galaxy, and and uh, his reach is very wide as far as all the 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 topics that we can talk about here today. So I've, I'm really excited about talking to him today. Uh, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well. <clears throat> Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, and that's the coach of uh, Los Angeles Galaxy 2, so uh, just to be clear about that. Uh, Mike, let's just start with your, your background. Uh, you had a great interview uh, with the guys at Path to Pro Soccer, uh, their podcast, and I want to kind of see this as like uh, stepping from that, and then we'll get a little deeper perhaps, because people can go back and listen to that podcast. I, I highly suggest they do, but maybe let's do a quick review of kind of how you got to where you are from being a player and to being a coach. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, I grew up in in Southern California. Uh, you know, kind of did the whole classic AYSO to club club soccer. Uh, those were the days before the de- development academy. Um, you know, weren't around yet. Um, so club soccer was the the go to place. And um, you know, my dad coached me. You know, pretty much. You know, since I was about four up until I was about twelve, thirteen. Uh, you know, he was from Mexico, born and raised and and extremely passionate about the game. Um, you know, he never had any formal education in terms of soccer or anything like that, but just really instilled the passion and love for me. And, uh, and I took off with it. Um, I played for the Irvine strikers, uh, the majority of my youth, uh, was lucky enough to get a scholarship to UC Berkeley, uh, Cal, which I played there for, for four years under coach Kevin Grimes, who I believe is a St. Louis guy. Um, and, uh, and yeah, was drafted by, by Chivas USA, uh, the first year of, uh, when they became an expansion team, um, by head coach Thomas Rongan, uh, played for Chivas for a couple years. Um, uh, that's where I began to learn the highs and lows of professional soccer and, uh, you know, kind of bounced around the lower leagues a little bit, played in the USL for a year for a team called the California victory out of San Francisco, uh, was lucky enough to end back with the galaxy. Uh, and that's where I finished my career. And I think in 08, 09. So that was my journey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you came a long way. I, I like uh, what you talked about with those with Path to Pro about kind of the ins and outs and the details of that. So again, do go back and listen to that. One story I wanted to bring up though was that um, when you were transitioning to being a coach while you were still a player under Michael Bradley, right? You had a a big com- or not Michael Bradley, Bob Bradley uh, right. had a conversation about that, right? I was kind of curious about about how that went and what it was like. Yeah, you know I. I found out pretty quickly that 
it was going to be extremely difficult for me to to make it in the league. Um, you know, I wasn't a big player. You know, five seven, five eight, technical. I had a brain, uh, but I wasn't I wasn't very athletic, uh, and and that was tough. You know, that was tough, especially with the league back then. Um, and I and I quickly. I quickly knew that coaching was going to be my next step. And, and, you know, I was that guy in the locker room that would bring my little notebook, my little notepad and, and listen to Bob's talks and write down every session, you know, that he did and try to just, you know, gather notes of, of, uh, of his thoughts and the way he, you know, talked to the team and his team talks and his halftime talks. And, uh, I, I, I literally, I wasn't even a player. I was almost like a fly on the wall, just <laughs> kind of, kind of in there, you know? Um, and, uh, so Bob had a huge influence on me in terms of, uh, the way he managed his players and his team and, and, uh, and yeah, you know, what, you know, at the end of the year when, when all, when the season was over and, and, you know, I knew he was going to release me, I knew they weren't going to, you know, pick up my contract. Uh, it really turned into a, a soccer conversation, a football conversation. And I think if you listen to him, you know, his interviews, uh, he loves to talk about the game. He loves to talk about football and playing in the right way. And, um, and that's what it turned into. And, and he was, he was very helpful in the sense of, you know, providing me what the next steps are into coaching and what that's going to be like. And, uh, you know, it was an hour conversation where, you know, I was supposed to get sacked and then end up, you know, talking about football. So, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds great. I, I, I think, I feel like, players have said that in the past too, where he does have an open door policy and those conversations are, are really one of the best parts of him having him as, as a coach. He's intimidating, you know, he's intimidating on the field and, and he he's tough and he's, he has very high standards, but when you really get to know him and sit down with him one, one-on-one, uh, he's a teacher, he's a teacher and he wants to pass his knowledge on. And, and I love that about him. Without a doubt, a good guy to be under, especially, you know, I don't know if you were literally taking notes. Were you actually bringing in like a notepad and taking notes on things like that? His conversation? Would, That's would, 100%. I, I, have, I still have my uh, notebook around here somewhere uh, <laughs> with the little Chivas logo on it. So I love I, it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, were you already thinking about being a coach at that point? But either way, that's that's like a good sign of someone who would be a coach. I don't imagine that's normal per se. <laughs> in yeah, a locker room. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> that's cool. So that's a real valuable conversation. Um, you know, now, you know, you've you've become a coach. I think you worked up. Where did you start with the Galaxy? I'll let you tell that. So as soon as I was done playing, I, I, I became good friends with Greg Vanny, who had just retired from playing as well from the Galaxy. We became close. And, uh, you know, he convinced me to to move to Arizona with him, where he was originally from. And we were going to, uh, you know, work in a youth soccer club over there. Uh, it was actually the best decision I've ever made because it ended up leading to us starting the Real Salt Lake Academy program in, in Arizona. Um, it was a residency program. Uh, you know, we, we had about six or seven kids from out of state that kind of moved into our facility uh, out of Casa Grande, middle of nowhere, but, but every footballer's dream. Um, and, 
it really grew. It really took off, and and you know now now RSL's academy is one of the top academies you know in the country, and they still have a residency program out of Utah. Uh, but no, we were really able to start something from the ground up, a project uh, built out of nothing. Um, so I learned many facets of the business um, from trying to convince U.S. Soccer, uh, putting together a plan to show them, hey, you know, we actually have a real product that we think, you know, can be to your advantage, uh, you know, to, to starting really a business from the ground up to, uh, you know, obviously working with, you know, you know high level top talent, uh, players. So that's really where it started for me, uh, in the Academy. Um, when Greg came back to Chivas USA to coach the first team, I moved back to Los Angeles, uh, and worked in the Academy and the first team with him. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of, you know, history about Chivas USA's debacle and all of that. Uh, and that's kind of when I was planning my exit plan to move across the hall to the Galaxy. Uh, so I came to the Galaxy. I coached the 14s. I coached the 16s. I coached the 18s. Eventually became the academy director uh, and then had the opportunity to take over the second team uh, when Kurt Adolfo got promoted uh, to the first team. So um, I'm a big believer in, in making your way up you know, through the, through the appropriate steps and getting, getting the right experience. Um, you know, I know a lot of, you know, ex players jump straight into coaching, uh, at a high level. And, and, and I think that's difficult. I think that you need to really go through the steps and, you know, get your licenses. And for me, that's doing it the right way. It's not the path for everybody. Uh, but I think it was, it was crucial for my development to be, to be ready at the level that I'm at now. Yeah, and I want to talk about how uh, the Galaxy view uh, your job, and and you have a, obviously, uh, this you're the perfect person to talk talk to about this. Um, I think one of the eyebrow raising um, comments that you made with Pat to Pro was, you know, you kind of in passing mentioned that you know Los Dos is considered possibly or maybe looked at as more the senior team for the academy more so than the the reserve team for LA Galaxy. And so that's something that all of us have sort of suspected over the years, you know, and and I took that to be like almost like breaking that that someone in the organization said something, but maybe I read into it too much, but maybe you can explain that more fully um how uh, the Galaxy look at Los Dos. I think that when the program initially launched and the galaxy was the first club to have a second team, you know, playing the USL, that team, the end goal was always to be the tip of the pyramid for the youth development Academy. Now, when it started, it didn't start out that way because, you know, winning was important. Uh, the Academy wasn't ready to put players into the USL at that level from the start. Um, so it very much was a, uh, you know, independent, standalone, you know, 25, 26, 27 year old type players. Uh, yeah, still the bottom of the barrel from the first team guys who would, who would play in those games. Um, that's kind of where it started. Now, as the years progressed and our second team started to get younger and the academy started to develop and those players began to become ready, uh, you know, over the past two or three years, that's kind of where it's really started to take off. Um, circumstances happen at the first team level. You know, Bruce Arena leaves, Kurt Anolfo comes in, uh, injuries happen. These, you know, so, so the second team always fluctuates kind of in and out of that role. 
But the main objective for us is, is we do see it as the top of our pyramid for our youth development structure. Yeah, and we've seen, well, I was about to say we've seen you guys reap the rewards of that, and, and you have in some ways, but um, I guess that's where the confusion comes in because um, there's you, these kids are coming up, and obviously this is really awesome to have the opportunity for them to play against grown, grown men on, on the highest level for them as far as um, not ruining their eligibility for college. Um, this is an awesome opportunity, but at the same time, I don't imagine a lot of these kids think they're going to make it to the LA galaxy first team. And so there's like the weirdness there, but then there's also the weirdness that someone like Efren Alvarez, you know, on some teams might've seen some MLS minutes this year and, and, um, the galaxy being where they were this year, he didn't get that. And so you, the galaxy senior team doesn't necessarily see you guys as a uh, a pipeline. And so I guess that's where the confusion comes in. And so does does the Galaxy look at these young players as, yeah, we'd like to pull some of these guys up? Or, um, you know, is it is it worth it for them to raise up these really talented kids just to lose them to Europe, like we've seen with a few kids we'll talk about later? For sure. So, you know, it's always important to, to look at, you know, history a little bit of, of the program. You know, there are a number of Los Dos players that have graduated to the senior team and, and have contributed and played significant minutes. Whether or not it's worked at the senior level, you know, I think we can all agree that it, it probably hasn't. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, you know, being in the right, you know, being there at the right moment, capitalizing on, on your on your opportunities. You know, having a coach that you know believes in you and gives you multiple chances. There's so many things that goes into it, right? Um, I think now we're starting to see the second wave. Of the, of, of the next generation of our academy players beginning to crack the second team and then hopefully crack into the first team. Um, yeah, you know, Efra was a player that, um, for whatever reason, didn't get a chance this year. Uh, there's, there's tricky MLS rules to USL rules as well um, that, that, that are complicated. Um, but I think it's also one of those things that uh, you also have to kind of look at the lack of stability that we've had in the first team the past two years. Um, this will be my third year going as into a head coach as, as the as the second team coach, and this will be the fourth first team coach that I will have played under. You know, so right. it's really, it's really hard to progress and move players up when you kind of lack that stability at the top. Um, so it's difficult. Uh, but I do think that, um, you know, whoever our new coach, you know, comes in at the first team, you know, hopefully he's, he's willing to, to give some of these young guys a chance because, you know, we believe that they're ready. Yeah, most definitely. And, and they're showing that they can do that. And I'm excited to talk about them a little bit later. But I also want to, you know, in the same, um, same line, uh, as you guys are flourishing, you're in an interesting area as far as, you know, the style of soccer and the different cultures that you have coming in. Uh, to the the academy system and so i wonder you're a perfect guy to talk about you know the mix of american and latin styles if if that is a thing maybe you can talk about that as well but as a coach you get to see and and reap the rewards of that on on the usl level so can you talk about that just a little bit yeah i mean you know our our academy is is probably you know majority hispanic uh you know population uh as you alluded to being in southern california um, there's a love for the ball, you know, there's a love for, you know, possession based soccer. 
and and when you're when you have these types of players who are very technical, um, you know, you have the ball, you know, 60, 70, you know, percent of the game. Um, and so it becomes, okay, how do we take that from the academy and how do we translate that to the USL? Where now we are younger than everybody else. Um, we are less physical than everybody else. Uh, and it becomes much more difficult to apply that, apply that, apply that style, apply that method. Um, you know, you also have, uh, you know, you also with the second team and you'll see it, we have a mix of, you know, African players. We have, we have players from France. Uh, we have players, we have basically players from all over the world. Um, and so now it becomes, how do we fit the academy style with a style that's going to compete at USL right from the start? And at the same time, those players have to be able to translate to MLS and the first team. Um, so it becomes much more of a mix rather than just one certain type of way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and I want to skip straight to, you know, I, I was curious about the tactics you've had to imply or even attempt to do a um, apply to the team throughout the USL season because you were a bit of an enigma early on um, you know some of the score lines were going crazy high and we were like well you know Galaxy is having a, a tough time defending um, and then things evened out for a little bit um, but while you weren't necessarily defending like crazy you were also scoring a lot of goals and so I was curious about how you set your team up it sounds like maybe physical size you know had a play and all the other things you were mentioning um, you know how do you decide to, to go up against these men with these with these young kids sometimes yeah I think year one last year was uh, was a big learning experience for all of us you know our we quickly realized that we probably played too many of our young players too quickly, and uh, and we were exposed because of it. Um, you know, this year in terms of the stability of the roster, the balance, the balance of the roster, while not perfect, was better. And so, you know, we wanted to go into this season. You know, we were far more pr- pragmatic. We were, you know, far more organized. Um, you know, we 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 realized that we were probably, you know, more conducive to being a counterattacking style team. Um, and while not setting up our, our team to be in a, in a, in a deep block and, you know, parking the bus in front of our goal, uh, but more about really pick and choosing our moments, you know, when we were, when we wanted to press, when we wanted to step high, um, you know, when we wanted to be, uh, aggressive in the opponent's half. Uh, but at the same time, we also realized that we had some very, very unique, uh, young, exciting attacking options. Um, so it really was trying to find that balance of trying to create, uh, you know, this balance of protecting ourselves, but at the same time, uh, you know, being able to hurt the opposition. Um, you know, I think we, we ended up sixth in scoring, uh, overall in the entire USL, uh, which is fantastic, but you know, like you alluded to, we we gave up far too many goals. So, um, you know, it's it's something that uh, it's something that we're okay with because we want to play attacking soccer. We want our kids to take chances. We want our kids to take risks. We think that's how they learn. We also we also think that's how they get exposed. And now they have to really you know solve problems. Uh, so we're okay with that. But at the same time, you know, can we uh, can we can we minimize those goals a little bit? Yeah, so far, um, that's kind of what I, I thought you might say. So it's good that maybe my eyes aren't off completely. One thing uh, that I was curious about throughout the year is, you know, some of those young attackers that you have up top. 
Um, how much defensive uh, responsibility did you give them or did you choose to give them and, and why? I'm kind of curious. Someone like Alvarez scoring obviously tore up my team, St. Louis, um, at home. Um, yeah. And so I was kind of curious, is that another thing where you're kind of go ahead and choose to attack like crazy and not give those guys a lot of defensive responsibility or, or how did you decide that? I think that, you know, teaching Ephra the offensive side uh, of the game is something that is just natural in him and something that he he knows he knows better than most players, um, which is crazy. Uh, so really getting Ephra to buy into his defensive responsibilities, uh, which he's also a small, smart player about as well. Um, and so he can he can find Ephra's unique in the way where he can find ways to manipulate the game because of his brain. Um, and so while it doesn't look like he's necessarily maybe defending, he's actually putting himself in a good position to to set up maybe different types of traps for his guys behind him. Um, but Ephra's going to have to add that to his game. That's one of the things that if he makes the jump to the MLS level. They're not going to, you know, not only are his teammates not going to not let him defend, but the coaching staff, like he's going to have to put in the dirty work as well. And so it's getting a kid that young to understand that in the modern game, you need to become a two-way player. Uh, we're not asking you to track back and win tackles and get stuck in and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, more about positioning and setting up uh, situations to help his teammates behind him. So that's the part that he has to add to his game. Indeed. I appreciate that. That's that's good stuff to hear. Um, let's take a couple steps back uh, before we take a break here. And um, that um, I would like to talk about with you being where you are and, and so, you know, some of these a lot, almost all of these kids seem to have a Hispanic background. So, you know, Mexican parents or grandparents and then obviously they're Americans now and they're choosing different um, different national teams to represent them. You're having to kind of, I, I don't know, but I imagine these kids are at least talking to you about it and you're a good person to talk to about it. Um, I don't necessarily want to hear behind the scenes information, but maybe talk about if you were the U.S. Soccer Federation, which we all like to kind of pretend and put ourselves in the shoes of. How would you go at these kids? How would you try to convince them to stay on the American side if, if that's the side you are? And and um, perhaps even in their shoes, should they even choose to try to stay American if they have that opportunity. Brainwash, right? Uh, <laughs> you got to brainwash. You got to. You have to get into these kids at a young age. Uh, you know, starting with the U14 camps, and uh, anytime these kids get caught in early, you know, really just sell them what the national team is all about, and, and the pride and playing for your country and. Uh, you know, I know me growing up, that's all I wanted to do. Uh, it's all I wanted to be. Uh, you know, Mexico wasn't even, a, you know, a thought, even though I'm half Mexican. Um, and, you know, it was a big rivalry in my house between myself and my dad. Um, but that's changed. The, the, landscape, the landscape has changed now and it's cutthroat and it's, and, and, and it's aggressive and, and it, you know, there's influence from families, there's influence from agents, there's influence from the federations. Um, and, and these kids are put on a, on a, on a platform now where they are, uh, not only on the domestic scene, but also a global scene. Um, so you have to get to the kids at a young age. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, be aggressive with the, with the families. You have to, you, you got to make house calls. You got to go show up to these kids house and wine them and dine them. 
Uh, that's just the reality of the game now, and you have to be ahead of it, and you have to make them feel special, and you have to make them feel a part of it. Uh, I know some of that, you know, kind of sounds sad a little bit to to talk about at such a young kid's age, but if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it, and they're going to get that kid. That's just the reality. So it sounds like you're kind of saying it needs to be more and more cutthroat these days just to compete because that's just the way it's going. And so, is are you seeing? from an outside perspective that the U S Federation is doing pretty much all the same things. The Mexican Federation is doing. I don't know if you can comment, comment on that, but if they are, if they are not, uh, what are some things you think they can do better to try to keep some of these kids? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think it's, it's not fair, uh, as well because, you know, we're only talking about, you know, a couple kids, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe less than five. Um, although it is top talent, uh, so I, I don't think it's I don't think it's as bad as it's made out to be necessarily in the press. I also think that uh, you know, with the FIFA rules and being able to kind of jump back and forth uh, and not you know necessarily get cap tied until you get to the senior level, that there's always going to be opportunity. Um, so, you know. I think U.S. soccer has learned lessons from Mexico. Uh, but I also think that the youth national teams and the players that are coming through the pipeline right now for, 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 US, for the U.S. is, is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see the 20s and what they did to Mexico, who I thought was very average, and we were far superior. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about our U-17 uh, you know, pool. I'm excited about the youngers with the 16s and the 15s. Um, so... While the U.S. gets you know a big knock for 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 maybe Efra and maybe Jonathan Gonzalez, um, I think there's a lot of positives as well. Um, but I also think that it's going to take time for these guys to really come to fruition. And unfortunately, the Mexican uh, the Mexican senior team is far ahead of the, the of our senior team right now. So um, it's difficult, man. I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I that was a, a good answer, but. Um, I just think we need to remain patient because I do think that there are a lot of players coming through the pipeline right now. Yeah, it's an honest answer, and I think no one has the answer um, you know, to fix it at least. Um, so I appreciate yeah. the insight, though. That's more insight than the average you know, spectator has, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about kind of where you, where you are in your location and, and helping us Midwesterners kind of understand the situation going out on the coast and – choosing that and, and all the styles of play anything else you want to talk about yeah i mean I, I think you know one last touchy subject um that is very similar to the battle between mexican players and, and american players and getting to them at a young age um you know we're having the same problem with mls um, mls clubs uh academies um, starting to get and sign players at a young age. Um, I think in the past, uh, you know, we've we've played players in the academy in USL games, you know, who haven't been signed. Uh, we've done that a lot the past two years uh, with Galaxy Two. Um, but you're starting to see a trend where uh, MLS clubs are starting to sign, you know, 15 year olds, 16 year olds, uh, 17 year olds. And 
it's almost becoming too late. Uh, you know, we're almost having to like start to go back and, and, you know, these players are getting agents now at 14, 15 wow. and, and they're getting, you know, once again, put on a pedestal because of youth national team, uh, you know, tournaments where they're able to go internationally and they're getting exposed to different clubs and agents overseas. Um, we're playing these guys in USL. So now they're exposed to, uh, you know, on ESPN plus or YouTube or whatever. Um, and so we're having to change our, uh, our game plan a little bit and really start to have to go out and try to get these kids to almost bleed for the club and, and, and play for the club and want to sign and, 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 you know, in our club. Um, and so that's becoming a lot, a lot more difficult as well, uh, that we're finding with our players. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, yeah. but it's, it's, uh, it's something the the demographic and the change and all of this is is changing to much younger now not only for the national team but also for the domestic clubs as well yeah and, and it's good for you to bring that that club perspective because out here we're just hoping you know if, if a kid goes to europe we're out here getting excited and, and you're taking a loss you know what i mean so that's not something we think about yeah, and listen i mean you know i take my galaxy hat off and <laughs> and and, and I want what's best for our national team. You know, when the national team plays, I'm a fan and I want them to win and I want them to, you know, to get to the world cup and I want them to win to the world cup. And so, yeah, I understand the importance of our players going overseas. Um, I think there's times, you know, there's different times and places, you know, when a kid should go overseas Uh, just because they get an offer from Europe doesn't mean it's the right time to go or the right place to go. Um, and that's where you know agents come in in terms of giving good advice and getting good advice from the club and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's hard. It's hard when you lose when you develop players for a number of years and they just walk away. Uh, and unfortunately, that's kind of what we're we're starting to see a lot uh, over the past year. Not just the Galaxy, every MLS club. So. Yeah, uh, but w- you guys do have in your you know to your powers now. Luckily, is the homegrown. You get all that money, right? So. It's not going to be as hard to uh, let one of those kids go if you actually get paid for it, right? So um, maybe it'll – is that helping even things out or is it still just going to be – you know, is, is there no good answer basically? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, clubs have to make decisions. They just have to make decisions on younger players now. Uh, is this kid worth a homegrown contract at 16 years old? With Ephra, it was never a doubt. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's harder to, it's harder to, to give that type of contract to a player who's the same age and the club's still not sure if he's really going to make it to the first team or not. Um, but I don't think that we have the luxury anymore to, to take those chances because if we don't do it, someone else is going to do it and we're going to lose out. So really good stuff. Uh, we're going to take a break real quick and then we'll, uh, finish off with a little bit talking about kids coming up and kids we've seen recently. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about those guys a little bit more in depth when we come back. While we take a break here for a second, I just want to let you guys know about Soccer Loco. We're finishing up a, f- a full year, basically, of, of being sponsored by Soccer Loco. And uh, hope you guys will consider them if you need to buy any kind of soccer gear of any kind or just jerseys to sport on uh, game day or weekends or when you're going out, whatever. But um, if you do want to buy any uh, soccer gear from Soccer Loco, just go to our website. It's the USLshow.com. And there's a banner down there. Um, 
that just says Soccer Loco, click on that before you buy, and uh, anything you buy will go towards us. So thanks for uh, doing that, if you have, or if you will, or whatever you choose to do. Um, but we also have a Patreon if you'd like to support us in any in that way. Uh, we don't like to push it hard, but if it's something you'd like to help us sound better is usually what it ends up going into for microphones and production equipment. Um, if you'd like to contribute to that, just uh, sponsor us there at any level you choose. And um, if you go high enough, you get kind of cool cool uh, things that we offer to give back to you. And uh, we're due for one of those episodes, special episodes uh, coming up just for Patreon supporters. So uh, thanks all to everyone who uh, has done that already. And uh, thanks if you're thinking about doing it. And now we'll go right back to my interview with Mike. All right, we're back to talk about players individually, a little more in depth. We've gotten a lot of effort in Alvarez talk. Anything you want to say about him? You kind of said maybe he needs to add some defense to his game. His quality in the attack is unbelievable, obviously. And uh, it looks like for now the U.S. has lost him to uh, Mexico. He's playing for the U-17s quite a bit. Uh, but he doesn't deny that the door could be open for the U.S. Um, what do you think? What what should he do, and, and where does he go from here, professionally and with his with his national team? Yeah, you know, I, I hope that I I hope that I never coach ever again. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm serious. Yeah, I love I, it. I, I, I as long as I'm the second team coach, you know, I hope that he's with the first team. Um, you know, I think the plan for him, you know, starting in January is he'll be in the first team preseason. He's going to be treated as a as a first team player. Uh, so he's not going to be given minutes. He's going to have to earn those minutes. Obviously, if he needs to come down and play games with the second team, uh, no problem. Fantastic. Uh, I think that's part of the learning experience as well as first team guys coming down and, and playing at the second team level uh, and keeping the right mindset, the right approach, the right professionalism, uh, which a lot of you know young players have a hard time doing. Um, so I'm excited for Efra. Uh, I think it's you know we say every year is a big year for for our guys, but uh, it's one of those things where I do think he's going to get the opportunity with the first team. Uh, he just needs to make sure that he, that he takes advantage of that. Indeed. Um, let's move to Alex Mendez is the new, uh, the new country, the sweetheart, you, you might say, after his performance in the U-20 tournament here um, for the Gold Cup in CONCACAF. Um, I was impressed. He has some smarts. He has some real good quality technically. Can you talk about him and, and what he's looked like throughout the year um, with uh, Los Dos? Yeah, Alex, uh, Alex, you know, from day one when he stepped into our academy uh, to when he left, uh, I've just been extremely impressed with, you know, obviously he has some, some wonderful technical ability. Uh, he has a brain that, that, you know, he puts himself in places and situations where, uh, you know, not a lot of players see. And then he also sees uh, a lot of situations when he's on the ball that most players, you know, don't see that he has the final capability to put the ball wherever he wants. So um, there's, there's some amazing attributes that Alex has. Um, you know, when he first joined us, uh, you know, I felt that he was uh, a little immature in the sense that, um, you know, he, he had a hard time adapting to the physical side of the game. He had a difficult time on the defensive side. He wasn't a great 1v1 defender. Uh, he was constantly, you know, using his hands in the wrong way and, and fouling guys. And, um, you know, it was something that I just, you know, over time, 
we all knew he was going to be a top level player. Uh, it was just going to take time. You know, some guys were more ready than him that he was when he first started. Uh, but you know, we knew that we needed to stick with him because there was zero doubt about his talent. Um, when he first started playing USL matches, you know, it was the same thing. It was, you know, the attacking quality, the offensive quality, the technical, technical quality was all there. He just needed to learn the other side of the ball. Um, just kind of really quick. One of the things that we noticed from our academy players jumping into the USL or the MLS level is that our academy players can get away with um, maybe poor defending habits because at the academy level we have the ball most of the time and the opponents that we're playing against aren't at the level to really punish us like they are at the USL MLS level. So from that standpoint, there's a learning curve. Mm. Um, and Alex learned that very quickly. So now I think you're starting to see the fruits of all of that and he's become uh, he's going to be a, he's going to be a, a top talent. I have zero doubt that he's going to excel in, in Freiburg. Uh, and I have zero doubt that he's going to be making a, a first team appearance, you know, within, you know, six to 12 months over there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's really good to hear. I'm glad you, you had an aside there to talk about, you know, having to teach defending because, um, one of the things we always thought the USL taught was, you know, the kids having less time on the ball, um, that they can't be as comfortable and some guys just can't get over that hump. But, um, some of these attacking talents you've had, you know, I think it was Mendez on scuffed said, no, it wasn't hard to play in USL as far as the attack. It sounded like more what he was talking about. So I was surprised to hear that. Do you find that, that time on the ball is, is true for some of these kids that that is harder for them or what are some other steps that are hard to make from the academy to USL level? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, people will always say the speed of play, speed of play, your decision making uh, is faster. It's got to be quicker. Uh, I think that these guys, I don't think that was the issue. You know, these guys were so comfortable on the ball in, in the USL that uh, that wasn't the problem. You know, the issues, like I mentioned, were understanding that uh, we're not going to have the ball a lot of the times. So, you know, tactically, uh, is it the right setup tactically? Are we defensively where we need to be? Are we organized? Uh, once again, understanding the recognition of the phases of the game, um, you know, academy, possession-based, dominating, you know, the matches, USL, maybe a little bit more counterattacking, you know, style. So, uh, which is great for their development, you know, learning both sides of, uh, of, of the game. Um, you know, obviously the physicality, uh, and then, you know, probably the most important thing is, is understanding off the field what it, what it takes to become a pro. Um, that's probably you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, someone like Ephra, you know, he's only a teenager. He's 16 years old. He likes to go out, uh, you know, with his buddies and go bowling and all that stuff. But it really is a 24-hour day job now. And, and it's getting those kids to understand that is probably the biggest, the biggest jump. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear because that's not on the field either, but it, it is your job, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, I want to hear about Julian Araujo. Um, don't know if I said that right, but um, right back, right? He got to play with the U-20s as well. We got to see a little bit of him. Um, talk about him. I, I think, you know, a lot of these I'm getting from Adam Bells from Scuffed, um, who I've, you know, I've been looking up on a little bit, but we got to see him in the U-20 tournament. And uh, I guess... 
Adam or Bells likes his uh, swagger, Araujo's swagger to a bit, and he can be aggressive. Uh, what are some of the qualities you see in him? Yeah, Julian's a kid that we've been trying to get into our club for a while now. Uh, finally, was able to to get him in this this past you know off season. Um, unfortunately, came in right at the very end of our USL year. You know, so it was difficult to get him games, difficult to get him minutes. He was gone with the national team prepping, you know, for the world for the for the qualifiers. Uh, so we haven't been able to maximize Julian yet, like we wanted to. Uh, but we are looking forward to this upcoming year uh, and really getting him to 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 grow up on on the USL stage. Now, um, when you say you got him in, is that from the academy up to you guys, or did he come from another club? So he was a. I believe he's a Santa Barbara kid, so he's a couple hours away from LA. Mm. Um, and then he went to so the RSL Academy, which we started in Casa Grande, is now the Barca Academy mm-hmm. in Casa Grande, uh, and they still have a residency program. So last year he was with Barca Barca Academy, uh, and then you know because they were able to house him and all that kind of stuff, uh, we weren't able to at the time. Uh, then we were able to, you know, make things happen, and, and now he joined us. Uh, so he hasn't been with us very long, maybe six months. Um, but yeah, he was with other clubs before that. Very cool. So not much uh, USL experience yet. Um, obviously, we heard what you did with Mendez because a lot of the things you mentioned it wasn't something we saw happen um, with Mendez in the USL game. That means you you did your job. So I'm I'm curious to see what you'll do with him next year. That's exciting. Um, you did have your hands on Ulysses, uh, Yanez, another, uh, star, a shining star in the U20 tournament. Uh, tell us a little more about him. Yeah. Uli's, Uli's a difference maker because he's fearless. Uh, you put him in one V one situations, uh, and, and he just has the ability to beat you wide. He has the ability to beat you inside. Uh, you know, he's naturally a right footed player, but he, you know, to his credit, he's worked so much on beating guys wide and whipping balls in with his left foot. Um, so as a, as a defender, it's it's almost impossible to to guard him because you don't know which way he's going to go. Um, and he has also an ability to make runs in behind. Um, so you're really talking about you know this type of attacker that can unbalance defenses uh, in multiple different ways. Um, you know, once again, it's getting Uli to understand the defensive side. Uh, he doesn't get to cheat and stay high, uh, you know, like he does, you know, sometimes uh, because he has to track back and he has to be a part of the collective block. Um, but you know, that's all stuff that that you know he'll learn, and, and obviously now uh, you know he's starting to really grow into. So um, yeah, I mean, he, he's a player that's going to be uh, he's electric. He's electric, and, and he's he's always going to be dangerous and. Uh, you know, another another exciting prospect for the U.S. Yeah, and almost overshadowed because I, I by you know Alvarez because they play a similar position. So it was really cool to see him play so much with the U twenties and uh, see his quality was was more than I realized, honestly. Yeah, no, he he's he's probably the one player that has grown over the past six to twelve months. I mean, he's just he's grown immensely. So really proud to see that. Definitely, and and more next year, I imagine. If uh, Alvarez will be on the on the senior squad at least at first, maybe some more Yanez, huh? Well, Yanez is kind of in the same situation. Oh as yeah, Alvarez. I forgot. 
Yeah, so I, I don't know, you know, I don't know the details of all that. Uh, I'm just the coach, and, and, and our job is just to develop the players and give them an opportunity. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to see kind of what happens with, with Uli. Rumored to Wolfsburg, and we'll leave it at that. Um, Rumored to Wolfsburg. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about Adam Saldana, or Saldana. Um he is a center mid for you guys. Got a little bit of time. He's someone where we have our eyes on him because we think he could get some time with the national team and better, um, or with the U-17s, rather. Um, but when I did watch him, it was hard for me to see his quality and see what he can do. Can you give us a little better uh, idea of that? Yeah, Adam, probably undisputed U-17 national team starter uh, as a center mid. You know, I think with the nike friendlies coming up you guys will you get to watch him quite a bit i know the national team staff is very high on him uh he's simple he's simple he's 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 the guy that you know completely understands his role in terms of being the connector from the back to the middle to the front uh there's no flash uh there's no uh he's not a game changer uh but he's the guy that you know will connect 98 percent of his passes Mm. Uh, he'll get the ball to the dangerous guys in good situations and good spots. Uh, and defensively, he's really smart. I mean, he's not very big. Uh, he's still pretty young in terms of his uh, maturity. But uh, when you put yourself in good spots and you know how to read the game, uh, he cuts out a lot of passes. And he's a lot more athletic than people think. So um, I kind of see him uh, as a Marky Delgado uh, a little bit, kind of just this small little guy right now. Uh, who's just a very intelligent, good soccer player. Yeah, so also, you know, maybe maybe we're not wrong that we didn't notice he was doing much, but it's one of those guys that just flies under the radar and he's very useful no matter what. 100%. Harley, Harley puts a foot wrong. That's awesome. Good to yeah. hear, and, and that's good to know people uh, look for that because that doesn't mean he's not good. Um, Mauricio Cuevas, um, do you think he'll get a call up to the 17s? And um, tell us a little more about him. Yeah, he's he's not going to get called up to the 17s uh, for this friendlies. You know, they brought him in the past couple camps uh, for a number of different reasons. Uh, super talented. Uh, you know, can be played as a right back. Can be play can play as a left back. Can play in the midfield. Uh, just another player who's extremely technical. Uh, he was actually with Chivas Guadalajara, uh, in their youth academy for for a while. Um, you know, but wasn't able to obviously get a FIFA clearance, so came back to LA. I uh, actually coached his older brother uh, years ago in the Chivas USA Academy. Um, so it's a very, you know, very talented kid, very talented family. Um, don't know if he's going to be able to make the jump to USL uh, next season. I know, you know, the plan is to expose him uh, first in, in training, uh, see how he does, see how he adapts. Um, but definitely a kid to keep your eye on for the future. Yeah, and and we've noticed in this last year, especially the two sides, especially the the coast, the West Coast two sides, are bringing in these kids earlier and earlier, at least to just get a look or to to have a try with these guys. Is that something that's a new thing for you as well to get them in at the age of like sixteen rather than seventeen, eighteen? You know, our 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 training environment is. Uh, our training environment is unique in the sense that it's constantly fluctuating. Um, so, you know, first team boss, you know, might need four guys the morning of or the night before. 
So, you know, we'll quickly replace those with academy players who we feel deserve it based off of, okay, one, they're our top talents, so we want to invest in them. Or two, they're performing well at the academy level, so they deserve to get a run out with the second team. Um, so, you know, but at the same time, we have to keep the integrity of our environment. And what I mean by that is you can't just overload it with academy players because now the second team guys are like, you know, what the heck, man? Why, why Might as well just go train with the academy. You know, they're a bunch of little kids. Um, sometimes we get first team players coming down. And first-team players, you know, they don't want that as well. Um, so there's a balance between the everyday environment and making sure that it's still at a very high level, high standard. But at the same time, we want to give kids opportunities uh, who deserve it to be there as well. So um, it's something that we constantly communicate with the academy staff and and, and the second-team staff and, uh, and upper management. Um, it's a unique, it's a unique situation. Yeah. Indeed. It's got to be a hard balance because that's not something we're talking about today, really. We haven't been talking about is is keeping your 23, 24, 25-year-olds happy on that on that low-dose squad. I know we had Emmanuel Appia was a guy that was in St. Louis who I really loved. And I was actually surprised to see him playing um, as a holding midfielder. Um, but, you know, it's kind of something that's been happening with tactics anyway. But he's one of those guys you got to keep happy. He doesn't want to just play with kids all day, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, Apia, uh, great pro, uh, and he was he was really brought in, obviously, to see if he could, you know, take a year to get a chance to the first team level. But at the same time, you know, he was going to be our veteran. He was going to be our young veteran who, you know, was going to be the leader in the locker room, leader on the field, leader by example for our young guys. And that's not an easy role for for players who are still trying to make it. You know. Right. Um, so, uh, but you know, what I would say is to the credit of the Academy kids and the environment they come from is, um, they're good players, they're good players. So, you know, these guys aren't bringing down the level and a lot of times they're raising the level uh, and that's what you want to see. So indeed, is that something, do you think you might want to bring in more, um, veteran players is the word I was looking for veteran players next year to kind of even things out. So you don't have the, the ups and downs with the tactics that maybe we saw this last year or what are you guys looking at for next year? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, are you signing any 35 year olds from St. Louis? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So I, I think the goal is, can we have two to three, veteran players and when i say veteran players 23 24 25 uh, who are still young who still have a chance to make it to the first team and they're players who are playing in key positions for us so can we have a 25 year old center back who's going to pair up with a 17 18 year old center back and they're going to be rock solid because we have the youth you know, we have the experience. Uh, same thing in the central midfield, and maybe uh, maybe one wide player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's 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 really kind of our philosophy. Uh, and then we fill it in with younger guys. You know, the 20, 21, 22 year olds who uh, we're excited about, who have a chance to make it to the first team. And the rest of the guys are going to be our our young top talents. So we're not going to deviate too much, uh, but we do want to make sure that we find the right the right veteran guy to, to help fill those crucial roles for us. Most definitely. Um, yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about as far as, uh, going into next year? Um, 
we don't have a Galaxy senior coach. Is that something uh, you could see yourself doing someday? I, I imagine you at least interviewed for it. I would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, it's it's been crazy. Uh, you know, it's you know we're obviously starting to plan for next season. Uh, you know, it's hard because you know we want to start our preseason, right? Uh, and we usually start it a week or two after the first team starts. But we don't know how many guys are going to be from the second team with the first team, uh, which affects our numbers, uh, which affects what we want to do on a daily basis. Um, it's, it's tough. It's tough to kind of plan ahead right now. Um, but I am excited about where the club is heading. Um, and, uh, you know, there's nowhere to go but up. Uh, in terms of my own kind of personal development, um, you know, I'm really – I'm really excited about going into my third year as a USL head coach. Uh, I've learned so much over the past two years, uh, and I'm really excited to see kind of where we're at next year uh, and continuing to build, you know, the G2 project, which we all think is heading slowly in the right direction. Um, first team ambitions, uh, sure. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, but once again, I kind of want to do it the right way. You know, I want to start as an assistant, uh, and work under you know a top head coach and really learn uh, the the game and the level and and kind of see what it's like as an assistant coach because I've been a head coach my whole life um, and then uh, you never know after that my man yeah indeed uh, what about you you just mentioned some G two where where they want to be and you're not there yet what are some of those goals like G two is really succeeding what what would that look like obviously number one objective is to get guys to the first team. Um, so, you know, I think that, I think that, I mean, if you counted Uli and you counted Mendez, you counted Efra, uh, and then we have two or three other guys that we're really excited about. I mean, we're, we're doing our job in the sense that we're, we're putting these guys in the, in the situation to be considered and, and actually compete and contribute with the first team. So we think that's a box checked, but you know, we have to do it again all next year as well. Mm -hmm. Um, we have to make playoffs, you know, that's just something that we haven't done the past two seasons. Um, so we're getting closer. Uh, but that's, you know, that's an objective that the club, uh, you know, wants to meet. Uh, and I think those are probably the two, two most basic, simplest things that, that we want to do, uh, next season. Well, uh, one big one that um, you just reminded me to ask you is uh, who are those players that are going to be coming up next year that we need to be like, who do I need to put on my spreadsheet to make sure I watch all their minutes next year? I think you, you know, you were able to see what Ethan Zubak can yeah. do. You know, he's, he scored 12 goals this year and really had a breakout season. Uh, and he's started, he's only 21, mm. 2021. Uh, and he's, he's, uh, you know, he's starting to become, you know, a young leader. He's starting to become a captain of, uh, of our of our second team, a kid who's came through our academy. So so we're excited about, you know, what, what he can do. Um, we have a left back. His name is Didier Traore. Uh, he's, uh, he's French. He's from Paris. He's only 19. Uh, came in halfway through the season uh, this year, joined our academy uh for the last part of their academy season and then we signed him immediately to the second team i think this is a kid who you know we feel can replace ashley cole one day uh he just needs a little bit more time you know there's a language barrier there's a, a cultural barrier uh, 
and uh, but we're really excited about him. Uh, yeah, and then we talked about you know the Adam uh, Julian Arajos. You know, we think it could be a breakout year for him, and he's someone who can contribute to it at a homegrown contract level and, and, and contribute with the first team at some point. So uh, that's probably the biggest guys, you know, I would say right now. Uh, and maybe a couple other sleepers, you know, coming mm-hmm. in. <laughs> yeah, there's always one or two of those, which I look forward to seeing in the coming year. Um, that's all I got for you. Anything else you want to say before we go? Uh,. No, man, I'm good. I'm all good. I appreciate you, you know, taking the time. I know a little all over the place, and it's a lot to cover because uh, that second team is, is it's it's a unique situation, you know, that we're that we're still trying to figure out, you know, to be honest. So I love what you're doing. Um, it's one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you because obviously your organization has been successful in what they've done. So thanks for sharing some of those. Uh, ideas and things going on behind the scenes and, and give us an idea as fans of, of what to expect and, and what explaining what we're seeing. Uh, I really appreciate you talking to me today. All right, Phil, no problem, man. Mike Munoz, uh, great to talk to. <laughs> really, really enjoyed talking to him. And uh, yeah, as you can tell, he's laid back, he's friendly and very forthcoming like i said he, he was up to talk about everything and anything and um uh yeah it was great right okay he seemed open to it next year so maybe we'll do that again um i just want to close out to say thank you for listening to this and uh, we also need to say thanks to our sponsor roughneck scarves the official scarf supplier of mls usl and us soccer get custom scarves for your grouper team at roughneckscarves.com Uh, I got another one coming next week. In addition to our our Tuesday episodes, if you want to join us Monday nights at, what, it's 8 o'clock Central, 9 Eastern. Um, That means 6 o'clock Pacific. I'm getting better and better at this the more we podcast across the nation like we do. Um, Yeah, we we do it live at that time. So join us for that. You can comment, and and we bring those comments in live, and I really enjoy that side of things. but you can also listen to us otherwise um, on your podcast, all your favorite podcast uh, applications. So um, that'll be happening every Monday night, Tuesday morning it comes out. And then uh, I have an interview next week as well. So that'll be coming out you know, Wednesday or Thursday next week. And it'll be with two St. Louis guys, uh, Tomas Gomez and uh, Joey Calistri, who have experience at other clubs. We talk about everything. So Hope you enjoy this. I think there's more to come from Evan as well. So uh, keep uh, keep listening. Keep looking at your podcast apps. Thanks, guys.